0: Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We're going to start out with some really good news right away, right off the bat. First order of business. You know I love having giveaways on Good News Friday, right? And I know you love winning winning stuff. And it's a lot of fun for Crystal, especially when we have people calling in and they want to win stuff on Good News Friday. By the way, there is a way you can win something every Good News Friday, but you have to call Crystal and find out what it is, okay? 800 227-5278. Two two seven five two seven eight. 5278 Now, here's the good news. First of all, we have a giveaway, which is tons of fun. I lo- love having Good News Friday giveaways because they're always so exciting. But secondly, we have not one but two giveaways today. And now I sound like a carnival barker. And if you order before midnight tonight, actually, um, one is a book and one is an audio presentation with music. It's a CD, it's an album that you're gonna love, that you're actually gonna love. So we have so much good news to talk about heaven, to talk about what happens when your life gets kind of tangled up in the mess of the world and how God can untangle it. And here's where the good news begins for today's edition here on Friday, July the 14th. You may have, well, first of all, I know most Bottom Line Show listeners use some form of social media. Uh, When we talk about social media, that means Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Pinterest. I think is still around. If you're using MySpace, God bless you. Um, Vine, remember that? I mean, that's TikTok now, but for all intents and purposes. But social media has been a way that we interact with people, uh, that we do life together. I've I've seen this ad. Actually, I like to play a Scrabble game. I'm, I'm a nerd when it comes to. The games that we play um, uh, on social media, those lineups—it's uh, you know—it's it's basically um, you know people like to interact, and they can play games by themselves or they can play a game with other people online. It's just—it's fascinating. I, years ago, I was privileged to write a book on this, and it was so primitive um, that now it's, it's kind of fun. If you ever would like to see what the internet looked like right at the advent of the iPhone being released. Of Facebook going public and of YouTube getting snapped up by Google, uh, I co-authored a book many years ago, back in 2007, 16 years ago. Seems hard to believe. Called "Internet Protect Your Kids." We have copies of it at the Bottom Line Show Studios. If you ever want one, we these are like the last 40 copies left that we have. Give Crystal a call at 800-227-5278, and if you would like, I will even be happy to sign it for you. Um, if you don't want a signed copy, that's okay, because chances are you're not going to be able to sell it anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's It's just, and again, that's not depreciating or self-depreciating. That's literally the nature of the beast when it comes to social media. Things change so quickly and so rapidly that the nature of social media is that it's changing constantly. Well, having said that, There was a thought years ago when we wrote, Steve Arterburn and I wrote Internet Protect Your Kids, I found a lot of research for that book online. Some books had been written about Internet safety right before Y2K, remember that? And they were horribly out of date and they were not really helpful. And I found a lot of articles online that I was able to use as reference points. And my publisher really put me through the ringer. I think I spent more time editing that book than actually writing it because they wanted proof that what I was writing about and these articles that were showing up online were actually going to have some kind of staying power. You know, of course, now people get college degrees online. They write books and research things. And But back in 2007, 2006, 2007, it was all brand new territory. The idea... That one organization could shape the thoughts of so many people, uh, either for the good or the bad, was still a little hard for people to fathom. But now, when you consider the number of users that there are of social media accounts, just this past week, Instagram announced that they were releasing um, a a competitor to Twitter. You remember the internet went all at Twitter about a year ago when Elon Musk, the founder and the the guru behind the tesla brand of cars um, bought twitter he had become a shareholder major shareholder had a 10 percent interest in the company and then taking them at their word offered them what 40 billion dollars to buy it interestingly enough they found out in doing a little due diligence that that was more than double what the company was actually valued they kind of blew the lid off of what happens with these companies in terms of profiles that are set up but then also the way that uh, these are actually used and you can actually set up these algorithms with artificial intelligence and chat gpt and these bots that come from all over the world can create fake profiles and they can make you think that you're interacting with real people when you're really not and so it, it, the idea that there are a few people kind of putting their thumb on the scale if you will of social media accounts, and then are able to somehow have some kind of impact on what people think and believe. Trust me, brothers and sisters, when you're reading social media, unless you know the people who are actually posting what they're posting, and they're posting from their own heart and their own research as opposed to just forwarding and re-hashtagging or whatever what somebody else did, you might be spreading rumors inexplicably or or for no reason. I have been getting a whole slew of, it's funny, since I've been following a bit more left-leaning media just to see what in the world is happening with half the world. um, I've been getting a lot more spam on my social media accounts, a lot more spam email, text messaging, things of that nature. There's only so many times you could block these phone numbers and whatever that come your way. But I keep getting the same Facebook messages for example personal direct messages saying hey did you know so and so died or hey did you I I found a picture of you and you know you can tell what these scams really are but I have to wonder when you see reports and and, and lawsuits being filed against media companies against even the, the federal government of the United States you have to ask the question well how much of the news that we're seeing, how much of what is being reported is actually real and how much of it is being fabricated? The whole hunter Biden story, for example is uh, exhibit a in this case. when the documents first came out we've got emails there was a bunch of material in his computer in this shop in Delaware and and uh, the media rushed to tell us that there's no story there. Even NPR went so far as to go on social media and say you know, someone asked, "Why aren't you covering this case?" And the uh, was the editor in chief of NPR said, "Look, we only cover actual news stories." The number of people on the left who just went nuts for uh, you know that that type of story said, "Look, he hasn't been accused of a crime, he hasn't been convicted of a crime, so why should we even cover this?" So I'm like, well, let's see Watergate. I mean. <laughs> Can you imagine if Woodward or Bernstein brought that that report to the Washington Post editors and and the editor said, Well, you know, they haven't actually been accused of a crime yet, so we're not gonna report on this. I mean, for crying out loud. But we see more and more of this in the media. I mean, you can you can actually trace this back to the early nineteen nineties when a guy named Rush Limbaugh launched a radio program. And all of a sudden, the Fairness Doctrine kind of went sideways. And, you know, it used to be that the press was a little liberal, but they just reported the facts. And they'd become more obsessed with storytelling and and creating the image that the moral majority became popular during the Reagan years. And all of a sudden, the media felt a need to kind of squash that. And El Rushbo goes on the radio and starts telling the truth. And people went, "Whoa, whoa, this guy's dangerous. And it seems like every presidential administration since Bill Clinton, who had to deal with Limbaugh in his first term, have had these, you know, backroom deals with social media companies as the social media companies get bigger and guys like Mark Zuckerberg have more influence that the White House just kind of drops them a line, says, hey, let's make sure that the Hunter Biden story doesn't get too much oxygen. But this Donald Trump Russia collusion thing, well, let's go all out with that. Earlier this week, there was a ruling with regard to social media that I think is worth applauding, not because we like a certain political party, but rather because we're looking for places where you can actually speak freely and tell the truth. That's one of the things we appreciate so much about Crawford Broadcasting and Don Crawford Sr., uh, the, basically the founder and president of CBC as it is today, and Don Crawford Jr., who's a station manager of all of the station security, the bottom line show. Preach the gospel, tell the truth, do it with love, but do it with compassion and conviction. On July the 4th, after the U.S. Supreme Court basically handed the Biden administration a whole slew of defeats, on July 4th, um, federal judge Terry Doughty had issued a preliminary injunction that would temporarily block the executive branch meaning the, the White House from quote, "meeting with social media companies for the purpose of urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner the removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech posted on social media platforms." The original lawsuits that were filed by the Attorneys General in Missouri and Louisiana had uh, accused the Biden administration of censoring certain voices. And uh, and, and basically, they said it was unconstitutional. Judge Dowdy has now since ruled again that he's not going to issue a stay. He's basically saying this preliminary injunction that blocks it is going to stay in place. He basically cited that the plaintiff's likelihood of success on the merits and the defendant's corresponding failure to show a likelihood of success on the merits as the reason for his decision to deny the motion for a stay. He reiterated a point he made in his initial ruling that the defendant's, quote, likely significantly encouraged and or jointly participated with social media companies to engage in viewpoint-based suppression of protected free speech, for example. He looked at uh, White House digital director for COVID-19 response team, Clark Humphrey, uh, literally officially asking Twitter to remove a tweet from Robert Kennedy Jr., which criticized COVID-19 vaccines. The court document also states that White House deputy assistant to the president and director of digital strategy, Rob Flaherty, asked Facebook to censor a video when then Fox News hosts Tucker Carlson and Tommy Lauren raised questions about the COVID-19 vaccines as well. And the list goes on. We'll post this up at thebottomlineshow.com. I can't tell you how encouraging it is to finally see something like this happening in the media from people who you know, have, have been scratching our heads for years and asking the simple question, why is it? that it seems like we're being lied to. Why does it seem like the federal government is, you know, kind of putting their thumb on the scale? So as to whether or not um, you get to hear what you want to hear or don't hear. We hear from a lot of people who listen to the Bottom Line show who say, "I just really appreciate it. even if it's hard to hear, I appreciate knowing that you guys are telling us the truth. That you're reporting what's really going on." You know, we're, the, we we wanted to make this a no spin zone from day one and i realized there are people that say well yeah you are lean more conservative than whatever and that might if that feels like spin to you then oh, I, I get it i can completely understand but it is definitely a tangled web we weave when what is the uh, when we practice to deceive and it's just very encouraging to me to see that a federal judge has the courage to look at what's happening on social media, look at the uh, actions of this administration and say, no, you guys really have been engaged in pretty actively campaigning for making sure that your viewpoint is heard and other viewpoints are stifled. All of the big four measures, like with COVID, for example, the COVID-19 pandemic, remember all the big four measures. First of all, it's always wash your hands, use hand sanitizer. That'll stop the spread. Well, that didn't happen. Six feet distance, uh, no, that didn't stop the spread either. Wear a mask everywhere you go. Well, if you have a a virus and you're sneezing and coughing on people, yeah, but if you're perfectly healthy and well, a mask isn't going to save you. And then, of course, it was get the jab. And we're seeing now that it was unproven. We were part of the largest clinical trial in the history of American medicine, but the vaccine didn't really help or hurt. Maybe psychologically it gave some people an advantage, feeling like they were okay but other people wound up getting COVID because they were acting carelessly because someone said hey you got the jab you're fine but why weren't we allowed to challenge that on social media the name of the game wasn't I'm trying to bury you politically the name of the game was we want to know what's right what's going on here is this really as dangerous as they're telling us it is but there's a lot to untangle so this is a good first step and we've got a link for the article that's got more of the complaint itself in at thebottomlineshow.com as we continue i mentioned good news fridays are great days when we have giveaways to give away uh singer songwriter and ministry leader michelle pilar joined me recently to talk about a musical endeavor that was based on her book called Untangled, The Truth Will Set You Free. We're going to get into that conversation on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Well a special guest joining me today here on the bottom line for a very, very important topic. Michelle Pilar is with us today to talk about getting untangled, the truth that will set you free, and her new best friend Dr. Phil. Michelle Pilar, <laughs> welcome back to the bottom line <laughs> show. Is is Thank he your you. new be- is he your new best friend? I mean he you kind, and Dr. He, he kinda
1: is I mean yeah? Yeah, we went, we went through an incredible five-month journey that I can touch upon but not go into great detail. But I can tell you this, um, it was a five-month journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, with I was trying to help somebody, actually. And she really needed help. And I thought that Dr. Phil was the perfect person to reach out to. Mm-hmm. So I just did, like, I didn't have any special connection. I went on drphil.com. <laughs> I love it. You know, and I really felt a little foolish. I thought, This is crazy. I've never done anything like this. I thought I'll never hear from these people. And I just typed my little story. My name is Michelle Pillar, a a singer, author. Someone read my book and she needs your help. Uh And a month later, I heard from their producers and they looked into the story. And um, we all went through the arduous process of all the things you have to do to qualify to be on the Dr. Phil show. Uh And we actually recorded A telecast in Los Angeles with Dr. Phil.
0: Exciting! Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, and I was so thrilled because I mean, there I was sitting on the stage with he and another doctor, and it was it was all designed for this person. It was pretty miraculous, and I thought, wow. And and I got to know everyone very well. The producers, Mm -hmm. Dr. Phil, they are exactly who they appear to be. Really? Yes, I am not kidding you. I mean, I don't yeah, we have a lot to talk about, but yeah he he is a great man. The producers, Patrick Farley has been nothing but amazing to work with. He was the one that went through fire, and we all went through fire together to try to air that show for her mm-hmm. and um bottom line is, I can't go into it, but we had to they had to pull the show from the lineup hmm. so yeah, so um. I thought, well, Lord, I guess I missed the memo on this one.
2: Right. You you
1: know, you take your chance and you step out and you hope you're being guided of the Lord. And I really had a heart for this person and I felt like I was being guided of the Lord. Then I was, all of a sudden, it was just nothing. I was, I walked out to my barn, my horse barn, where I I go where I need to hear God. And I said, well, Lord, I guess I just, it must have been me. It must have been, you know, I was really questioning. I said, "Is it was this sure. ego? Was this mm. ego driven?" I mean, mm-hmm. how did we go through five months for naught? And about an hour later, I got a call from Patrick Farley, and he said, "You are not going to believe this, but Doctor Phil found out that the show had been canceled, and and why? And he's just he wants to talk to you about your book, Untangled, your life, and how God healed you." Mm. He wants to talk about that. I said, are you, are you serious? I, I mean, on the Dr. Phil show, we're going to talk about that. And he said, he's, he's determined. He's, he said he wants the redeeming part of this story to still be heard. Hmm. And so there I found myself on a one-on-one with Dr. Phil on his show where we, we went to the deep end of the pool Mm-hmm. I kept saying, "Are you sure you want me? To, am I okay to talk about Jesus? I mean, I can't make this user friendly."
2: Right, right.
1: And he said, "No, I'll never forget it, guys." He said, "You know, yeah, that's exactly what I'm asking you to do. I want to know. I want my people to know. I want the people to know mm-hmm. how how this how you had the childhood you had, and then how God transformed you, which is what the is written." He he had read the book. Right. Doctor Phil read the book, so he said, "I want them to know what's written in that book." He Said, "I've never." I've never read a book that was like that that was so Mm. honest
0: wow yeah. Uh, well, what an encouragement. We're talking to M- Michelle Pilar today here on The Bottom Line about her book, Untangled, about how it got in the hands of Dr. Phil and how what started out as Michelle trying to help somebody else uh, through a difficult, uh, challenging season who'd read the book and wa- was looking for Michelle's guidance, it wound up becoming a one-on-one. Uh, we've got a link for that up at the thebottomlineshow.com. It, it's, just, it's amazing to see how God put you on that platform. But then again, when you look at your entire career as an author, a speaker, three-time Grammy nominee, Michelle Pilar, I mean, obviously, God has been putting you on platforms like this ever since you were young and it's really it's truly remarkable can you give us a kind of a jet tour through the getting recorded getting in the Christian music world I had no idea the numbers of albums that you sold I knew it was a lot <laughs> but I had no idea it was that astronomical you had such a great ride in the 80s the 90s and people still remember your music
1: well thank you you know all I can say is you know is it God God Chooses to use us, and he makes those choices. And everybody is usable. Everybody, you know, people say to me, "Well, I don't have any gifts," and and I say that's hogwash. I mean, if you're breathing, you have gifts because yes. you're crea- you're creation. You're not just a creation of God. Everybody's a creation of God, but not everybody's a son or daughter of God. And you're a son or a daughter of God if you have asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And once he takes up that real estate he is going to use you if if you're willing to be used. And it has to be on his terms. It, it can it, it has might be scrubbing a toilet. I don't know what God's going to do to be glorified through your life, but there's nothing more fulfilling cuz now you guys I'm old.
0: No. <laughs> and, <laughs> No, you're not.
1: But, you know, I started singing for Jesus when I was 19. Mm. And I sang, you know, Thou Art Worthy, and Jesus, What a Wonder You Are, and on Mm -hmm. the Maranatha Praise albums and all. I've been on the Grammy Awards. I've been on the stages with Billy Graham. And I've also been in my barn just listening to God and having him restore my life. Mm -hmm. And I tell Mm -hmm. you, that's my favorite part of my life, is is the fact that God... When I was doing nothing, as apparently, when I was doing nothing for the Lord, it seemed, and I took 10 years, almost 15 years off from ministry, thought I was done with ministry, right. thought I, d- I didn't deserve to be in ministry anymore because I felt like I had mismanaged my life. Um, God was preparing me for the next step, which now is, is so much greater than before, even though it may be in front of smaller numbers. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. boom, he puts me on Dr. Phil and all but, but yeah i didn't really answer your question but
2: <laughs> I mean, that's
1: okay i'm just
0: enjoying the conversation just keep talking Aww. it's great it's wonderful
1: but yeah uh, i could I, tell you i could tell you how i got signed to a label and all that stuff but basically that's that's my heart is
2: mm-hmm.
1: is what i just mentioned to you god's the best manager
0: amen amen there's no question about it and when you are walking in his favor and you're walking in obedience to him sometimes the, the barn is going to be the bigger stage than standing next to Billy Graham. I mean, so that, mm. I, and I, I really appreciate your heart and your perspective on that. We're talking to M- Michelle Pillar today here on The Bottom Line about her book Untangled, about how it got in the hands of Dr. Phil and how what started out as Michelle trying to help somebody else uh, through a difficult, uh, challenging season who'd read the book and wa- was looking for Michelle's guidance, it wound up becoming a one-on-one. And uh, We've got a link for that up at the thebottomlineshow.com. More to come in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now welcome back to the bottom line show i'm roger marsh great to have michelle pilar with us here today we're we're, we are revisiting a conversation that michelle and i had upon the release of her album called untangled and we do have a copy of this album that we're giving away today so it's kind of a free music friday here on the bottom line show one copy at 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the album is called Untangled by my guest today here on the Bottom Line Show, Michelle Pillar. P-I-L-L-A-R, if you're Googling along with us at home. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. How often and how frustrating is it for those of us in the body of Christ when we are uh, going through a difficult time, a challenging season, and you could see God's hand, you could almost get close enough to touch it, and to fall into his lap and just say, Lord, I need you to carry me through, and that you realize you become so tangled up with the worries and cares of the world, it reminds you of the parable of the seed and the sower, doesn't it? You know, the, the fact that some of the seed just falls on the ground, and it gets trampled underfoot by people who are walking on the road, and some of the seed lands in the soil, And immediately uh, it takes root, but then it's just not strong enough, that there's not enough room for the roots to grow and it withers and dies. And then there's some seed that falls on the land and there's so many weeds and roots and other things around it that it really can't take hold in the same way that people who are impacted by the, the worries and cares of this life and don't wind up allowing the word of God to dwell in them richly. But then for those whose hearts are good soil, the one out of the four that Jesus described. That seed is planted in your heart and it grows up and it bears uh, it bears fruit, uh, literally a, a crop 100 times what was planted or 60 times or 30 times. And for those who have ears to hear, we do hear and we hear indeed. Michelle Pilar's conversation, uh, we'll get back to it on the other side of this break, still giving away a copy of her album, Untangled, 800 227 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Michelle Pillar and Lee Strobel in the next half hour as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives.
2: The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility.
0: Call 800-696-9970. 800 696 9970 or visit KBrightRadio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services for simply better alternatives. Michelle Pilar is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. MichellePilar.com, you can find all, all the information about her writing, her speaking, the appearance on the Dr. Phil show that started out as designed for someone else's benefit and it turned out to be a one on one with Michelle and Dr. Phil that's truly remarkable. You wrote a book a few years ago called Untangled. And it's really touched so many people's hearts and lives because of the fact that you are very candid about the fact that uh, you know what it's like to be that scared little girl who's hiding under a bed. You, You know what it's like to have abuse in the home, you know, directed at you, even though it was, you know, obviously not warranted. And then as a woman to watch your mom go through what she went through and to think, okay, this is my example. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. this is, you kind of, it's normal. And so children, you know, when we're younger, we process things like, okay, well, this is normal and I'm still here. So I guess I'll just try to find something that might be a little bit better than that. When Mm -hmm. did God, what what was the moment where God said, I want you to tell the story now, because I'm going to start the radical healing now. So get ready.
1: Well, that's a great question. But the the radical healing started in 1985 when I I found myself sitting on the same bed that i had hidden under as a child to get away from my mother's coat hangers and yardsticks and her mm. drunken stupors. Okay, so fast forward from the little girl under the bed to the Grammy-nominated recording artist who, who up and has an affair, okay? Yeah. And now why I had an affair, I get it now, but at the time I didn't get it at all. It wasn't mm. on my radar. I know that sounds odd to say, but it wasn't like I had a propensity for that, but I sure as well did it. And now I see it. I don't think people have affairs, and I said this to Dr. Phil, by the way. I I don't think people have affairs for sexual reasons.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: think mm-hmm. people have affairs because somewhere along the line they've lost their voice. They've they've lost the feeling of power. They they've become angry. They've um, they've lo- definitely lost their focus on the Lord, and they've they're just, they they do it for a lot of reasons but they don't do it for the reasons you might think. Hmm. And and so when you when you all of us find yourself having an affair with a married man and then of course my whole world blew up um because I was very public. I was on the cover of Today's Christian Woman
3: mm-hmm. the
1: month I had the affair. Ooh. So that's a really dumb move. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says <laughs> <laughs> Nobody I, wakes up <laughs>
0: I'm I'm not laughing at the situation. I'm just laughing at the irony of the fact that here you were at the top of your game in the CCM world, and oh, by the way... But, you're, but, but, you know, let's face it, we're saint Center. We've got these heart issues and they don't go away overnight. And just because you won a Dove Award doesn't mean that that's going to solve the you know abuse <laughs> of your past, is it? I mean, a lot of people like to think it does, but, uh, you know, you're in good company with people who were achieving tremendous success in the contemporary Christian music world. And at the same time, we're flushing drugs down the toilet backstage at a concert. You know, what I mean, not Ex- to sound exactly. totally crass, but you know that world very well, too.
1: Well, absolutely. and And that's where I found myself. The affair happened, the you-know-what hit the fan, and then I, you know, I lost my record deal, I lost every friend, seriously, every single friend, no, nobody called to say, are you okay or anything? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to make it sound sad, because that was designed of God. I mean, I needed to be, I didn't go get a nice apartment, even though I could have afforded one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had money, I'd, I'd been doing very well. But you know what, I marched right back to that house because I was so ashamed of myself mm. that I... I realized that now that's all I felt I deserved. So there I am sitting on the bed I hid under. And I had this talk with the darkness. Huh. And I mean I was as down as a person can be. I I felt I thought I'd gotten so far away from that house and now where was I? I was right there. And of course, um, I was very depressed and I was considering suicide. I I I wasn't to the place of you know going for it, but I was pretty close, and I felt this darkness enter the room, and and I've never had anything like that happen again in my life. Um, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't on drugs, and I wasn't asleep, but yeah. I was very much aware in my mind's eye that this darkness was standing there. I could see what he looked like in my in my mind. I could hear every word he was saying. And he was goading me and telling me it was a good idea for me to take the pills I had in my hand. And he and I journaled that in the first chapter of Untangled. Every single word, I can still remember it. I mean, everything he said, everything I said. And I say, okay, show me what you got. Because I've been running from you all my life and I can't... I mean, you're right. I, I messed up. I mean, they, they chose the wrong girl. They picked <laughs> the wrong girl to put up on stage, right? So... I'm, I'm with you. We're in 100% agreement, you and I. So help me do this. And I began to cry. And I prayed one more time. And I said, God, I don't want to do this, but I don't know where else to go. And that's where people can get so hopeless that they they think that that's the only choice they have. And it's such a lie from yeah. the pit of hell. And if if you can pray in that moment and say, God, meet me here right now. Like, if you can, for that moment, look at Jesus instead of everything else the darkness wants you to look at. If you can look into the face of Jesus and say, help me, he will be right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and that's what happened to me. I said, please help me. And I felt somebody sit down on the bed next to me. And I literally felt the impression on the bed next to me. And he put his arms around me and I knew it was Jesus. Mm. And. Jesus began to tell me who I was, saying, Michelle, give me your life. You've only given me certain parts of your life. Right. But there are parts so buried I can't get to them. I need you. We are gonna sit here and we're gonna untangle. And I saw this ball of string in my lap that was as big as a basketball. And he said, mm. He said, I could, I could touch this and I could untangle every knot, but you'd walk right out of here and tangle it up again. Yep, yep. Because you have no idea how you're tangled, why you're tangled, where you're tangled. He said, we're going to sit here. I'm going to give you healing, understanding, and I'm going to really untangle you. And that was in 85. I did not write the book until 2012. Hmm. And during those years when I didn't think I'd ever be in ministry again, I was washed up. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. The Lord was preparing me and I... Fell in love with writing. I wrote for ten years before I wrote that book. Again, not thinking I'd write a book, Right, just because right. God gave me a love for writing. So I wrote and wrote and wrote, and I <laughs> became a writer. God, that's how God does it. He yeah. sneaks up on you. He sneaks up, and he says, "Okay, well, show, let me show you what I'm going to do. You love something? Well, then do that something." And the Lord's preparing you for that next step. And you, so that's what I did. I wrote for ten years, and then He said, "Now I want you to tell the truth," hmm. and I. And I said, now, why? They all
0: forgot about who I am. Right. <laughs> don't like, make me do this now, God. And people like my writing the way it is. We're doing fine. You're going to mess things up with the truth or not. Well, not, well, not only that,
1: I thought, who's going to care about what I have to say? I. Mm. I they don't remember me. Like, if I should have learned to write when I was five, that would have worked out better. <laughs> I
2: mean,
1: see what I mean? I couldn't get it. I was like, yeah. I don't get it. And you know what he said to me when I got really quiet and I love how God speaks and we're not crazy. Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. So I said, Lord, uh, why me? Like, I'm not Jackie Onassis. Mm -hmm. Like, who cares? Who cares about my story? And the Lord said, if you will tell the unvarnished truth, and I'll never forget the word unvarnished. If you will tell the unvarnished truth about what I've really done for you over these last years when nobody was looking... He said I will use your story to get into the story of the reader in places I can't go. Huh. I couldn't argue with that.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And so I told the unvarnished truth. And I thought I thought my behind would be hanging out in the wind, but what I found is that when you when you are that transparent the only thing people can see is Jesus.
0: Amen. Amen. They don't
1: see, they don't see you and they don't see your mistakes. If you go ahead and tell it all, then they can see Jesus. But now you have to be called to do that. And you have to make sure that God is, you got to make sure you're healed. You got to make sure that you're honest and that, and that God's really called you to do that.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Does that make sense?
0: absolutely does make sense it's a remarkable testimony and i'm so glad that we were able to connect and have this conversation studio to studio you in tennessee and me here in california just like we're sitting across the table from each other michelle because Mm. i know our listeners are benefiting from this as well michelle pilar is my guest today here on the bottom line michelle you can find all all the information about her writing her speaking the appearance on the dr phil show that started out as designed for someone else's benefit and it turned out to be a one-on-one with michelle and dr phil that's truly remarkable we've got we got about 60 seconds left in our time together michelle um how can we pray for you with perform speak write. are you doing spoken word what what what's your ministry look like
1: <laughs> oh you're so sweet to, to to ask okay i'm in the middle of writing another book um Good. But we, we won't go into that and i am um, i'm speaking again
0: wow glory to god michelle glory thank you for, thank you for your vulnerability and thank you for your faithfulness too i really appreciate it i know a lot of bottom line listeners especially here in the southland who are are, you know you say people don't remember me and they don't know who i am trust me there are thousands of people tuning into this conversation right now who are saying Michelle, that's what she's doing these days. You know? <laughs> I've been stealing all her music on YouTube. I mean, by going out and <laughs> buying it. I, I shouldn't Aww. speak for everybody. But thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. I, what a blessing to get to, to catch up with you and drive people to michellepillar.com so they can keep up with what's going on here. Michelle Pilar, thank you so much for being with me today here on The Bottom Line.
1: You're so welcome, Roger. God bless you.
0: Awful lot of fun revisiting that great conversation with Michelle Pilar here on the Bottom Line Show and giving away a copy of her album, Untangled, here on this Good News Friday. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the Bottom Line. Again, we do have a copy of Michelle Pilar's most recent album called Untangled. And here on this Free Music Friday... That's what we're looking for, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, On the other side of this break, we're going to get into a conversation about heaven. So many people are looking around at the world right now and saying, boy, could it get any worse than this? Lord God, please deliver us. But they really don't know what heaven looks like. In all honesty, they think heaven's just got, anything's got to be better than where we are here. Lee Strobel put on his Case for uh, investigative hat uh, not too long ago and wrote an outstanding book on this topic called The Case for Heaven. A journalist investigates evidence for life after death. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll be giving away a copy of this book coming up soon. But coming up next, my conversation with Lee Strobel good news about heaven that's coming up next as the bottom line continues anytime you hear the phrase the case for you automatically think of lee strobel but i really want you to think about it as we talk about the case for heaven the brand new documentary that is now available on pure Flix. lee strobel welcome back to the bottom line show well thanks roger great to be with you again it's great to be with you too especially because this is something your book came out on this title i've seen you preach on this a couple of times And now, of course, the fact that the movie, The Case for Heaven, is streaming exclusively on PureFlix. Not every one of your books necessarily reads like a documentary, but this one you felt was a little bit different. What was the reason for that?
4: Well, you know, I think that um, people these days are asking questions about the afterlife more than ever. Uh, You know, we just came through this pandemic. Um, 30 percent of Americans know someone who's died during the pandemic. My brother Ray. Uh, My older brother died during the pandemic. Um, And a lot of people, I think, are asking questions about uh, the afterlife. What really happens when we close our eyes for the last time in this world? Do we really live on? Is there any evidence beyond the Bible for that? And uh, so I think this is uh, a cultural moment where this topic is especially relevant. Leslie and I were at a restaurant not long ago, and uh, we got talking to the waitress, a young woman named Cameron, and all of a sudden, she started to cry. And we said, what's wrong? And she said, oh, I'm so sorry, I almost didn't come into work today. We just lost a family member to COVID. And I thought, here's a young woman, probably 18 years old, probably never thought about death before. She's like, you know, why should she? She's just a teenager. Uh, got a whole life ahead of her. But now death has come knocking on her family's door. And you can see the anxiety and the apprehension uh, in her eyes.
0: So I think this is an especially relevant topic today. Yeah, it sounds like it, especially as so many people are impacted by it, as you mentioned. And I realized that when you wrote this book, you know, coming from the perspective of a man of faith who's been a Christian for a number of decades and came from your background as being a, a skeptic, you know, what's happened to my wife, Leslie, these people got right. a hold of her, you know, just want a brainwasher. But now you have such yeah. a perfect ministry opportunity to share with people. I wonder, though, when you write a book like The Case for Heaven, were you thinking in terms of people in the body of Christ? Were you thinking of... This might be a good uh, evangelism or discipleship tour. What was God telling you, Lee Strobel, when you were writing the book, The Case for Heaven, that translated into the movie?
4: Well, I definitely want to encourage believers, but uh, I'm an evangelist at heart. So I love it to see when um, people outside the faith uh, find uh, hope and redemption through the words of Jesus in the book. And um, so it started out... um, You know, when I almost died a few years ago, my wife found me unconscious. Um, I woke up in the emergency room and the doctor looked at me and said, you're one step away from a coma, two (laughs) steps away from dying. And I hovered between life and death for quite a while until the doctors were able to save my life. And even though I'm a believer, um, when you're faced with the reality of maybe dying, it, 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 it becomes the most important thing in your life. What really does happen when I close my eyes for the last time? And uh, that's what kind of prompted me to say, yeah, I believe what the Bible teaches, but, um, you know, does it make sense? Is it logical? Does it stand up to reason? Does it stand up to scrutiny? And so I took my journalism training and my legal training and spent a few years uh, really delving into this subject and ultimately writing the book. And then I was approached by Manny Sandoval, a great director out of Phoenix, uh, who said he wanted to turn it into a documentary. And I said, sure, because I know some people would rather watch a movie than read a book. Mm -hmm. And uh, we traveled all around the country. Oh, my goodness. From New York to Chicago to L.A. to uh, Louisiana, Houston, Chicago. I mean, all over the place filming this movie. And it it was a great experience. The whole thing was unscripted. I never knew what he was going to ask me. Mm -hmm. And um, and we interviewed some some great people as well.
0: How did you determine whom? Because I'm reading more and more of these, I guess they call them NDE books. It's near-death experience books where people are telling their account. And, you know, to... determine how many of them, I mean, you could probably go on for months, if not years, you know, tracking down everyone. How, how did he uh, f- how did he find out, you know, the ones that he wanted you to meet and have conversations with?
4: Yeah, uh, you know, I started as a skeptic of near-death experiences. I, I thought, there's got to be another explanation for these. But then I found uh, 900 scholarly articles published in scientific and medical yeah. journals over the last 50 years on this topic. And this is a well-researched area of science. In fact, the Lancet, which is the Famous British medical journal um, concluded that there are no alternative explanations that can account for this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I really pursued cases in which we had corroboration. Oh, okay. um, you know, if someone says, "Oh, I died, I went to heaven, I met Jesus, he's five foot nine, nice guy," I don't know. <laughs> people have lied about that and, and yeah. um, made stuff up. So, but I was looking for corroboration. In other words, people who see things or hear things while they're in an out-of-body experience that they could not have otherwise seen or heard. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like Maria, who died in the hospital of a heart attack, was uh, dead, Uh, and yet she said later, I was alive the whole time, my spirit separated Mm -hmm. from my body, I was Mm -hmm. watching the resuscitation efforts on my body, my spirit floated up and out of the hospital, and when she was revived, she said, oh, by the way, there's a a man's tennis shoe on the roof of the hospital, and it's left-footed, it's dark blue, there's some wear over the little toe, and the shoe is tucked under the heel, and so they go up to the <laughs> roof of the hospital, and sure enough, there it is. Oh wow! Um, that's the kind of corroboration I was looking for, and I found multiple, multiple cases like that. In fact, one of the studies I, I reviewed was a study of 21 blind people, half of them blind since birth, and yet during the out-of-body experience, they were able to see many for <laughs> the first time, and uh, and yet when they recovered. They were blind again. And as one researcher told me, this is just medically impossible. Mm -hmm. And yet here are some good corroborated cases. So what does this do? This tells us the Bible is telling us the truth. When uh, the Apostle Paul said to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, Jesus said to the repentant uh, criminal on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. So in other words, the, the afterlife has two phases. The first is when we die, our soul separates from our physical body and lives on. Um, and then the second stage is when Jesus returns at the end of history that's when we receive our resurrected body, we undergo final judgment and ultimately we spend eternity in a very physical place whether it's heaven or hell. So um, this is just good external corroboration of what the Bible tells us and and the, you know the shocking thing is that I interviewed John Burke for the movie and uh, in the book John Burke is Golly, I've known John for maybe 30 years. We were pastors together uh, at a church in Chicago for a while. Uh, he is a pastor of a church in Austin, Texas. He studied a thousand near-death experiences. And his conclusion is, if you look at what actually takes place in, in a common near-death experience, not how people interpret what happens, but what actually takes
0: place, it's consistent with Christian theology. Wow. That, that is so powerful to hear from this, this testimony from Lee Strobel, not only of someone who's interviewed, uh, hundreds of people who have gone through this experience, but also has gone through it himself. When you read the book, The Case for Heaven, you can read more about that. But now there's a new documentary. It, it had a theatrical release a couple of months ago, and now it's going to be streaming exclusively on Pure Flix starting Friday, July the 15th. It's a documentary called The Case for Heaven. We've got a link for the trailer up at the And at the end of our conversation today, we'll be giving away a couple of Pure Flix uh, trial subscriptions, so you can check this out for free. Uh, Lee, when you look at this, I mean, I realized that you came in as somewhat of a skeptic. You know that there are people who yes. look at your work and say, I love Lee Strobel. I've, I've talked to so many people who say Lee Strobel led me to faith, even though we've never met each other, just because I've been reading his mm. books and things like that. But yeah, at the same time, awesome. too, I realized there I, I remember seeing something out, it was on Amazon. There are people who are really adamantly against you. I mean, is there a case for against yes. Lee Strobel, you know, the website or something like that? that yeah. and you get you get those attacks all the time. What kind of criticisms have yeah. you gotten from people who said, I read your book, I saw your documentary, and I think you're full of hooves?
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't get a lot of direct stuff. I know people uh, tweet, and uh, they go in with an attitude or with a, um, often with a closed mind, um, and I don't think they evaluate the evidence um, as I did, which is someone with an open mind trying to find the truth. I mean, I started out as an atheist, spent two years of my life investigating the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus and concluded that it's true. And of course, if it is true, that means Jesus' um, teachings about the afterlife, about heaven and hell ought to be listened to Amen. because he is yeah. who he claims to be, the unique son of God. So, you know, I think any apologist, any evangelist face, uh, faces criticism from people. Um, I always think of the words of Jesus that, um, you know, um, we should rejoice when we're um, uh, criticized um, because great is our reward in heaven.
0: Amen. Amen. And I, I think that's such a wonderful, healthy way to respond spiritually to any kind of verbal or whatever attacks that there might be. And and I can assure you that sure. whatever criticism anybody would have of this project uh, should be easily erased by the power of the Holy Spirit and watching the movie The Case for Heaven, the documentary. Lee Strobel, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We've got a link for the movie The Case for Heaven trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's streaming on Pure Flix starting on Friday, July the 15th. And you can get a free trial subscription to seven days if you go to pureflix.com. But we're going to have a longer trial freebie uh, for you on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues.
3: You've been in an accident and the worst thing you can do is to wait to contact Stephanie at Cover Law. Stephanie frequently talks to people who waited too long to seek help with their cases or tried to handle them on their own. And by then, it's too late. Family and friends mean well, but they can give truly bad advice. Often even trusted advisors will try and convince you to wait for more compensation. Stephanie knows the insurance companies want you to wait. They don't want you to file police reports, and they don't want you to reach out to Stephanie at Cover Law. That's because Stephanie is keenly aware of the tactics they use and why. She spent 20 years litigating for insurance companies and knows the strategy they will use to minimize their liability and your awarded amount. Insurance companies are for profit. They don't share Stephanie's Christian values, and typically they won't be fair to you. Don't deny yourself the ability to get better. Go with a proven expert in the field of personal injury and contact Cover Law at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R today.
0: Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Good News Friday edition of the program, and we have not one but two giveaways working right now. Of course, we're at the midpoint of my conversation with uh, investigative journalist Lee Strobel, Great, a Christian apologist and uh, just a really nice guy, too. His most recent book is called The Case for Heaven. A journalist investigates evidence for life after death. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we're giving away a copy of the book today here on Good News Friday, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Also, still a few moments left in our giveaway for Michelle Pilar's outstanding album called Untangled. We do have one copy that we're giving away today. I don't remember if that's vinyl or CD, so you'll have to check with Crystal when you call in to win. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I've been watching so much media recently with regard to what's happening in the world and, you know, the, the the evidence of the Lord's return drawing nearer and nearer and how wonderful that is. But I have to admit, one of the things that has just puzzled me um, as I've gotten older is the differences between denominations of Christians who are looking at another group and saying, well, here's why we are right and we're, they're wrong. And You know, here's what my hope and prayer is for all of us in the body of Christ. Jesus said, I mean, John 13, unity is the name of the game, right? A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And I remember being young in my faith, young adult, Looking at the church that I went to as the only church as the, you know, that could preach the gospel and everybody else was wrong, and the Catholics didn't do this right, and the Lutherans didn't do this right, and the Presbyterians didn't, you know, those Pentecostals, you know. I went through that season. I know I know what it's like. And now I'm older and I'm a grandpa and, you know, a little more seasoned. And here's what I'm looking for now in, in the Christian expression. First of all, a biblical worldview. No question about that. But secondly, my question is, if we are called to come and reason together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, just as iron sharpens iron, my question is, is it more effective for us as Christians who profess faith in Christ, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, is it more effective for us to reason with our brothers and sisters or to try to belittle? I mean, the social media world really is about winning. I'm right, you're wrong, I win. Mic drop, you know. And when I see, you know, John 3.17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Couple that with the great commission. Shouldn't we be working to be more persuasive than pedantic? Just some thoughts as we wrap up this portion of today's Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, and Rabbi Schneider with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the network, part two of my conversation with Lee Strobel talking about The Case for Heaven. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Lee Strobel is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. The Case for Heaven, the outstanding new documentary from Lee, had a Fathom events run back in April, and now it's available on PureFlix at PureFlix.com. I highly recommend you check this out, especially if for no other reason to hear Lee Strobel talk about how he went from kind of being a skeptic with regard to uh, this, the whole near-death experience to actually having one on his own. Lee, do you ever have that conversation with God and say, why me? Why do I have to be the skeptic all the time who then goes and goes through this whole process? You know, from, <laughs> no, from... Go ahead. I
4: was going to say, just to clarify, when I had my brush with that. I didn't have a technical near-death experience. Um, okay. I had a brush with that. I almost Got died, it. but I didn't have that experience where I was clinically dead and my, and my spirit separated from my body. So, But it did intrigue me enough to find out uh, that so many other people have. I mean, the numbers are really quite staggering. And the other thing about that is 23 or 24% of people who have near-death experiences have a very negative experience. Hmm. Um, you know, for our movie, we interviewed um, Howard Storm who was an atheist. He was an art professor at a university, secular university. Uh, he died in the hospital, but he said he survived it. He was alive the whole time, uh, had a horrific experience where he was literally torn apart by demons, huh. and um, called out to Jesus. Jesus rescued him, uh, and when he was finally revived, he said his life was actually transformed. In fact, he resigned his tenured position at the university. He renounces atheism. He not only became a Christian, but he became an ordained pastor, and now he's yeah. a pastor of a little church in rural America. So it, it really transformed his life. But a lot of people have don't have a positive experience in their near-death encounter. They have a, a very frightening experience.
0: Mm-hmm. There are three people in my world over the past 12 months who are now home with the Lord, and you mentioned COVID earlier, how responsible for the the death of your brother, and uh, uh, my first wife succumbed to uh, COVID-related illness about a year ago, and Uh, my oldest friend had cancer, but he was fighting cancer bravely and then got COVID, and everything just went, you know, the wheels came uh, apart, as it were. It really did change my perspective in terms of how we live today. I mean, we've been talking about the mind-body-spirit type of issue, but it changed things in terms of, you know, looking at today a lot differently than I had at this point. How did making this documentary for you, Lee Grobel, Did you did the process of the film bring you even closer into that kind of spiritual realm, or was it something that said, "Now that I've had this experience, I want to tell these stories for other people to see"?
4: Well, the whole experience, including the filming of the documentary, um, it just it brings us forefront, you know. And when you think about it, why shouldn't we ponder these things today rather than waiting until we're on our deathbed? we're going to spend a lot more time in eternity than we're going to spend in this world. Amen. And so if it's relevant at the point of death, what happens when we die, it ought to be relevant now. You know? <laughs> yeah. And you're right, it does change the way you live your life. Um, uh, you know, I, I, it makes me more compassionate toward people who are suffering. Yeah. It makes me yeah. more adamant about sharing my faith with others. I, one of the people I interviewed for the book was Luis Palau, the famous yeah. evangelist, uh-huh. who um, was on his deathbed and about to pass into heaven. And I I said to him, I said, Luis, when you're in heaven after a while, if you were to send a text message back to all the Christians uh, in the world, what do you think you'd say? And uh, he thought about it for a second, and he said, "Uh, I think I'd say go for it. In other words, what do you mean? He said, well, in other words, you know, share this message of hope in heaven to people. He said, "Um, you know, this is our one opportunity to tell people there is hope. And uh, his name is Jesus, and and you can meet him, you can know him personally, you can know him for eternity. Um, And I I thought it was a pretty good word from uh, Luis, who uh, passed into heaven uh, not long after my interview.
0: Mm, Well, I bet that was a special time, just the fact that he's led so many people to faith, and for you to have that opportunity to be able to walk with him literally, as you're kind of helping him toward the finish line That just that how beautiful that is. You know, Lee, when you wrote The Case for Christ, you you kind of identified the fact, okay, I'm an investigative journalist. There's a process to this. I'm going to knock down all the evidence and wind up corroborating all of it instead about the the, the, the faith in Christ is real. Uh, I remember you talking about the four E's, I think they were, with regard to what led to Mm -hmm. Christian faith. And I would imagine as more people are having these near-death experiences, they'll see a movie like this, and then someone might be more willing to say, Okay, I'm curious, but I'm still not quite there yet. Yeah, walk walk through those four E's with sure. us. To help somebody who would be potentially leading someone to faith after having an experience with the documentary, The Case for Heaven.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, Jesus clearly claimed to be the Son of God, but anybody could claim to be that. Right. If he died and then returned from the dead, that's good evidence he's telling the truth. So the four E's. First, he is for execution, that Jesus was truly dead after being crucified. Even the Journal of the American Medical Association carried an analysis of the death of Jesus and concluded, quote, "Um, clearly the weight of the historical and medical evidence indicates that Jesus was dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. Uh, Second, he stands for early. We have early accounts or reports that he rose from the dead. In fact, we have a report. Uh, including the names of specific eyewitnesses and groups of eyewitnesses uh, to the resurrected Jesus that's been dated back by scholars to within months of his death. I mean, that is far too quick, I believe, to be written off as merely a legend. Uh, Third, we have an empty tomb. And the strongest evidence for that is even the opponents of Jesus implicitly admitted that the tomb was empty. Uh, They just tried to say the disciples stole the body, even though they didn't have the motive or the means or the opportunity. And then the, four, the fourth E stands for the word eyewitnesses. You know, most of the facts that we accept as truth about the ancient world is based on one or maybe two good sources. And yet for the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus, we have no fewer than nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the risen Jesus. That is an avalanche of historical data. And that's what ultimately led me uh, to faith in Christ from my days as an atheist.
0: Yeah, those are good reminders too, especially as you watch this film, this documentary, *The Case for Heaven*. As you experience it with other people too, as people are kind of accepting, okay, COVID—it's a way of life now, and we just have to learn how to manage it better. It does give us more opportunities, and I would imagine this is a, a great opportunity for pastors or small group leaders too to, uh, to have this dialogue Absolutely. with people in their group. Um, is there a special curriculum for that yet, or is that in the work? What, what's on the there, horizon?
4: There is. Yeah, we okay. we have a curriculum. It's a five-week uh, video-driven curriculum where I do some teaching for about 20, 25 minutes, and then discussion and so forth, and that's available as well uh, if people want to do that. Uh, but I, I hope people use this film as an, an outreach um, opportunity and invite their friends to watch it together and, uh, and have a discussion about what they see.
0: Absolutely. What's on the horizon for Lee Strobel? got about 60 seconds left in our time together.
4: Well, I've started a Center for Evangelism and Apologetics at Colorado Christian University. Uh, we've launched 91 accredited, fully online courses in apologetics wow. and, and uh, evangelism. Uh, people can go to strobelcenter.com and get all the information there.
0: Well, that's just in your spare time, right, when you're not writing and doing documentaries.
4: Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good for you. I'm well, getting Lee,
4: I, old. I turned 70, so I don't know how many more books I got in me.
0: Oh, I think you're just getting <laughs> warmed up. You're Tony Evans, Michael Youssef. You guys are all just getting warmed up here. Hey, Lee Strobel, always great to get some time with you here today. Uh, the Case for Heaven documentary begins its streaming run on Pure Flix, exclusively on P- Pureflix. Flix. We've got a link for the trailer up at the TheBottomLineShow.com. Lee, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thanks, Roger. Love being with you. Blessings to you and your
2: listeners.
0: So much fun to revisit that conversation with a really good man and a guy who's a good professional friend, Lee Strobel. The book is called The Case for Heaven. Uh, An investigative journalist uh, investigates the case for life after death. And we've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We do have a copy of the book that we're giving away today at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the book by Lee Strobel that we're giving away today here on Good News Friday, The Case for Heaven, A Journalist Investigates Evidence for Life After Death. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, more good news with regard to a question... Um, regarding one of the biggest, most shocking cultural uh, impact issues of the day. And that is how in the world did we get to the point where so many young people apparently want to change their gender? And why are so many adults pushing for this? Why are they going along with this? And why is it that we in the church who try to speak truth and love to people who are dealing with this issue are being shouted down and losing our cases in court and uh, losing in the court of public opinion. Well, we have good news coming out of the state of Tennessee with regard to one such law, but I want to use that as a springboard for more talk about sharing the good news with people who are just confused. Let's talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But the first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, You know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I Bless someone else. Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own, or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk, of, it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says "Preborn." Cute little baby there, wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn. Make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year. So give a gift right now. My thanks again to Lee Strobel for joining us for a great conversation about the case for heaven here on this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. We've got a copy of the book to give away right now at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. And I got to be honest with you, if for no other reason, I mean, obviously we want to be with the Lord. We don't want to be stuck in this world full of sin. We don't want to be in a situation where our flesh is tempted, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. We want to be in that perfect forever with the Lord. When you think about forever, And then think about the momentary light afflictions that Paul writes about to to Timothy. It is so maddening for me as a pastor, as a brother in Christ, to see people get hot and bothered over the cultural tide of the day because I know these things are terrible. I, I let my heart break with the things that break the heart of God. I get all that. But sometimes we spend so much time focusing on the temporary or the temporal in this world that we forget about eternity one of the areas where it gets really maddening is when it comes to this whole big push for the changing of gender it seems like within the past decade the number of quote-unquote transgender children has increased by tenfold And that may be true. I mean, I remember back in the 2010 census. We had just started the bottom line in 2011, so that was the freshest data we had. That was the first year that the uh, Census Bureau actually asked the question voluntarily. You didn't have to answer if you didn't want to, but had to ask and answer the question as to whether or not you were part of the LGBTQ crowd. So you were either... lesbian gay bisexual transgender they've since added q which i think stands for queer or i which stands for inquisitive i think and i don't know what the a plus stands for i really don't maybe asexual who knows but it seemed like when they they asked that question we'd been hearing for years how much, how many people were. We heard the 10% number thrown around. The gay activists had been using that for quite some time. That 10% of the American population was gay. They just didn't talk about it. Well, that year we found out in earnest how many people identified as LGBTQ. In the 2010 census, it amounted to 2.9% of the population. Now, 2.9% of the population in 2010 still amounted to several million people who identified this way but the one thing that was not expressly expressed stated in the survey was the number of people how that all broke down how many people were l for lesbian how many people were g for gay male homosexuals how many people were bisexual the b and how many people were t transgender the number of transgender was relatively small it was less than a million people the largest number of people in the LGBTQ community are bisexual. You wouldn't know that from listening to people who are gender non-conforming and but they're all over television. Everywhere you turn, it seems like everybody knows somebody who is. And, and in all honesty, it has become way more common than it was, say, 10 years ago. But I, I've had this conversation with my adult children who are in millennial and Generation Z generations. Lisa has as well. Why do you think so many people kids young people you know why aren't more adults doing this i mean in all honesty i've met more adults who have maybe they went through a marriage raised a couple of kids got to be a certain age and said to heck with it i'm going to move in you know a man moves in with another man woman moves in with another woman and says this is how we're going to live our days but the whole thing with changing your gender you know the puberty blockers that don't have any sort of fda regulation. There's no American Medical Association guideline book for transgender surgeries. It literally is, I don't want to say made up, but it's I've tried this and so-and-so doctor this wrote about that and whatever, and they all you know, kind of talk to each other about what works, but it's not approved. I mean, you talk about a puberty blocker for a boy, for example, we've talked about this many times in this program, there's a drug called Lupron that is given to boys that stops the production of testosterone in the body so then estrogen is introduced and whammo you turn a boy into a girl well Lupron was originally created as a medication to help men with prostate cancer and the reason that it does what it does is it would stop the flow of testosterone to the prostate they would then go in and either do radiation and chemo or surgery on the prostate gland and remove the cancer and then once the treatment was over, you stopped giving the man Lupron, give them maybe some testosterone boosts to get everything flowing again. It was temporary. But some doctors went, well, shoot, we're doing this with adult males and it's approved for that. Why don't we try this with transgender kids? To my knowledge, there is no formal American Medical Association, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, th- there's no FDA approval for using that drug for the purpose of changing a boy into a girl. And yet it gets done all the time. How is it, I've seen the meme, you've seen it too, when the person, the adult person who wrote, I'm really glad my parents didn't let me decide which gender I wanted to be when I was going through a season when I was uh, basically eating paste. Uh, (laughs) You know, I mean, lists off all, I won't mention all of them because they involve some things that are kind of crude, but things that little kids do. Lisa and I have a two and a half year old granddaughter who if she has an itch somewhere, she will scratch it. Doesn't matter if it's inside the diaper or not. She don't care because she's two and a half. And that's how two and a half year olds process life. Adults learn how to excuse themselves, go to the restroom, you know, do a little equipment repair. But not when you're two and a half. It's like, I got an itch, I don't care where it is. So I would never insinuate that my six year old grandson, almost six year old, or two and a half year old granddaughter or almost one year old grandson could ever assume that they knew anything about gender. And yet kind of piggybacking off of what Lee Strobel wrote about in the case for Heaven, there's going to come a point where we don't have to deal with this anymore. But right now we do. And so I'm grateful to the men and women who are fighting on the front lines, who are taking up the legal challenges and fighting the good fight for things like preventing children from getting body disfiguring puberty blockers from getting opposite sex hormones even sex change surgeries from being performed on kids a three-judge panel in the u.s court of appeals of the sixth circuit court which handles tennessee has ruled that a tennessee law passed in march can in fact take effect of course, there were challenges when the bill was passed. Hate-filled, homophobic, transphobic, blah, 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 blah. Sixth Circuit Chief Judge Jeffrey Sutton authored the opinion for the panel. And remember, the appellate court, the Circuit Court of Appeals, they'll initially have a three-judge panel that will rule, and sometimes they'll go, was it on banc or whatever, to the whole judge. This was the three-court, or the three-justice panel. Jeffrey Sutton authored the opinion. He wrote, quote, that Tennessee is likely to succeed on its appeal of the preliminary injunction. He then noted that both sides of the litigation have the same fear. It's just an opposite direction. One says that the procedures create health risks that cannot be undone, which is true. The other says that the absence of such procedures create risks that cannot be undone. That's not proven true anywhere. The number of kids in the lgbtq community who attempt the transgender transition in many cases they'll say well the kids are suicidal and if you don't give them quote unquote gender affirming care they'll end their lives but not once do you see any kind of report from said said people that the suicide rate instance is as high if not higher among kids who have transitioned Now, there was a question, I think the American Civil Liberties Union said, this isn't fair to transgender kids, but the justice, uh, Judge Jeffrey Sutton said, if the injunction remains in place during the appeal, Tennessee will suffer irreparable harm from its inability to enforce the will of the legislature to further the public health considerations undergirding the law and to avoid irreversible health risks to its children. You know what that means? I mean, let's see if I can put this in English. Basically, the Tennessee legislature passed the bill, the governor signed it. Bill Lee's a good guy, of course he would sign it. Then come the challenges from the Planned Parenthoods and the, you know, Planned Parenthood's doing this, even though the sterilized children who change genders will never be parents. But Planned Parenthood has found a way to make money. The left sees nothing incongruous with the fact that an organization that is designed to help people plan their parenthood, wants to help people change their genders, thereby making it physically impossible for them to conceive children. But they make money by giving cross-sex hormones, and they know that they'll have those customers for life because you have to keep putting that stuff in your body because your body never fully accepts the fact that a boy born a boy, born male, can never be female. I mean, the, the body says it ain't going to happen. You can pump all the estrogen in you want. You can add breasts. You can remove his male genitalia. He's still a man. So the judge rightly ruled, uh, uh, ruled in this case that if for some reason there's a stay on this until we go through a lengthy court battle, this is why a lot of times they're not ruling on the procedure itself. They're ruling on the likelihood of who's going to win. The judge said, first of all, it looks like Tennessee will be successful in their appeal. In other words, this law will be upheld if it is appealed, number one. Number two, if there are kids who wind up having the unproven cross-sex hormone treatments and the surgeries, that they are going to wind up being harmed by this during the appellate process because if it's not illegal because of the stay, more kids might get damaged. Wow, a judge who actually understands the Constitution— and biology and parenting all in one fell swoop thank you judge jeffrey sutton from the sixth circuit court this is good news with regard to the ruling but i want to talk about two other aspects of this that i think we in the church sometimes miss out on okay so let's take a look at those on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues you can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds wilson financial has simply better alternatives. or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. You've got about three minutes left to get a call in uh, to The Bottom Line show at 800-227-5278 to win a copy of Lee Strobel's book called The Case for Heaven and I encourage you to give us a call and uh, get your name in. We'll have a winner here at the end of the program. We're good newsing the fact that the uh, Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals has upheld Tennessee's law to ban transgender surgeries uh, for minors. No cross-sex hormones, no puberty blockers, none of that stuff. Now, here are the two lessons we could take away from this. Number one, is that we in the body of Christ can be more compassionate about kids who are experiencing gender confusion. It's way more common than we probably think, and a lot of it's driven by social media, mainstream media, in other words, the power of persuasion. There is no biological reason this is happening, but anywhere from 5% of Generation Z up to 20% of Generation Z identifies as transgender. That is a fact, and that's something we in the church must deal with. So before we go on social media saying, oh, these people are terrible and bad, 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 this, that, and the other thing, let's show a certain measure of compassion for the kids who are actually going through this or the parents who feel like their kids are going through it and they want to do what's right by their kids. Okay. That's number one. Here's number two. It's Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Paul writes, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Remember, he was talking about the fact that the good news of the gospel was to be preached first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. But he says, look, when it comes to the, the class system, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. And then he says something very powerful. There is neither male nor female. It's a very complementary almost uh, egalitarian type of phrase but think about this for a moment we're getting so hung up in this culture about what's a woman what's a man and you know i can define this and you can define that but if when adam was created and god says it is good that he created them male and female he created them and guys have x y chromosomes male and female Doesn't that mean that we just take a look at, you know, what team we were picked for and say, okay, I'm a guy, my wife's a girl, and that's it. But once we get to heaven, if there's no Jew or Greek, if there's no bond or free, if there's no male or female, all are one in Christ Jesus. Be the man of God you're called to be if you were created to be a man. If you were created to be a woman, be the woman of God you're called to be. But let's remember that the unity of the body of Christ means when we get to heaven, What is it we read in scripture about not being buried or given in marriage? I mean, yeah, it's going to look a lot different than the cultural norms of right now. So let's not get too hung up on this. Let's not get too messed up. Understanding that if people are dealing with that, there's a lot of confusion and we can bring clarity, starting with the good news that Christ died to pay the penalty for your sin and for my sin, because that is good news. And this is Good News Friday, and this has been The Bottom Line.